in the Gospel of Luke. And we're going to begin reading in verse number one in Luke chapter two. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor, governing Syria. So all went to be registered, every one to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was, while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth, forth, forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for the great gift that you have given to us, to all God, who would receive it this morning? God, we stand in awe of you because we know that the significance of this season, Lord God, is not about gifts and presents. It's not about uh, eggnog and, and all of those things. Father, we know that the, the significance of the season is that Son, the Son of God, Jesus, the Christ, the baby that came into the world. So, Lord, we call attention to that this morning. God, I ask, Lord, that you would impart to all of us, Father, some new revelation and understanding of your love and your grace that we might even more fully appreciate all that you have done. And so, Lord, we open our hearts, we open our minds to receive from you this morning. Feed us, Holy Spirit, and use this broken vessel. Use me, Father, for your glory. I am delighted, Lord, to stand among your people. But, Father, I need your power. So, Holy Spirit, help us as we study. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated in the Lord's presence. I want you to keep in mind we have quite a few families out today, so I want you to keep them in prayer. Uh, I was uh, watching uh, Justin listening the other day and uh, just seeing that there is an increase in, uh, you know, alcohol, drinking, and, and accidents and those kinds of things. And so... We need to pray that God will protect those that are traveling on the roadways, amen? Uh, that he will cover us and, and, and protect our brothers and our sisters as they are away traveling. And so we're going to continue today the third part of our installment. And actually, we're going to end our Christmas series on uh, Wednesday, Christmas Eve. So I do pray that uh, you come on out, come on out 7 o'clock on Wednesday and worship with us. How many know that that is one of the biggest testimonies that we can give to the world is that we set aside time and all of the business and things that are happening to make sure that we uh, worship Christ. And so come on out on Wednesday. Uh, we're going to start at 7 o'clock sharp. And uh, so we're not going to start 715. Uh, we're not going to start 720. We're going to start at 7 o'clock sharp. So come on out. And we're going to have you out, I promise you, uh, at 8 or before 8, but no later than 8. Amen? So that you can go ahead and, and uh, continue your Christmas activities. So we're going to continue our series today. And today we want to talk about the subject of the birth of a king. The birth of a king. I want to jump right in it this morning, and I want to... I want to say something this morning I think all of us can identify with, and I find, found this to be true in my own life. Oftentimes, God does things in our life that may seem, at the moment, insignificant. The things that God is doing in your life behind the scenes are oftentimes that they seem to be very small in scale. Sometimes life pressures and problems causes us sometimes not to uh, see the hand of God. And perhaps you're sitting here this morning and you're just going through the routine and the mundane of life and you're wondering where is God in your situation. 
But I have witnessed the longer, the, longer, the longer I live that the things in my life that appear to be insignificant has been some huge, huge uh, opportunities that God has given me. I did not realize years ago that I was standing in front of a church and the pastor asked me to do a, a Bible devotion. And I had no way of knowing that a guy who was very, very afraid to speak in front of people would be able to stand some 15, 20 years later, uh, 24 years later, actually standing and proclaiming and preaching the gospel to you. And at that time, it seemed to be somewhat insignificant, but I had no idea what God had in store. I think about in my own personal life, my brother, you hear me brag about him often, and some of you have met him, who was in Texas. He was 13 years of age. And uh, my wife and I, um, uh, actually, uh, he became uh, our son. We adopted him. In a way, my brother, he's my son. I still call him son. He's my, I'm his brother, but he's like a son to me. And we brought him into our home. And he was 13 years old. My wife and I was just starting out. And uh, my wife was pregnant. In fact, we had no kids. And all we were really trying to do at that moment in time was just bring in somebody and help out. We just, I felt like, hey, my brother was in trouble. He was running the streets. I would use the opportunity just to, you know, just to try to help him, just to get him through school, you know, to get him out. And, and now some many, many years later, my brother is standing before thousands preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's making a difference. He have a beautiful family in Texas. You never know that how that just uh, something as plain as driving to the grocery store could be the most defining moment in your life. You never know that a person that you just met yesterday, perhaps that that person God has sent in your life to help push you toward your destiny. You see, what I want you to understand is that it is in the everyday things and in the routine and in the mundane of life, things of life, that God is working. The Bible says that, that God works in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. I want you to think about that for a moment. God is at work in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. The scripture also says that the steps of a good man or a righteous man or a person who is in Christ are ordered by the Lord. So what that tells me is that God is always working behind the scenes. Even if you don't feel God working behind the scenes. And see, this is the greatest challenge that we all have. Because in the routine, in the mundane of life, we have to listen. If we don't have our antennas up, we would miss the move of God. Or we would think that what God is doing, or, or, or we would think that perhaps God has forgotten you. Anybody ever felt like God has forgotten you? How many know that he, was, he has not forgotten you? The, the, the scripture is clear. Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But it's in those little ordinary things of life that you would find and discover God. I know yeah, we like the big miracles. I hear that. We, we love it when, when God heals. Amen. Uh, we love it when God just rained manna from heaven. Yeah, that's great. We love all the big miracles. But oftentimes you will find God in the small places, in the, in the routine, in the mundane things of life. Such was uh, Mary and Joseph. Could you imagine the young, many theologians believe that they were teenagers at the time, that God shows up and tells Mary that you're going to have a baby, and by the way, uh, you're a virgin, and you're not going to even have had relations with a man, and you're going to be pregnant. I imagine that Mary was a little bit perplexed, as the scripture says. And certainly we know how Joseph felt when he discovered that his wife, was pregnant, and he was engaged, and he had nothing to do with it. But what I want you to understand is that God used two ordinary people in the routine and the mundane of life to do some extraordinary things. These were not people that had great status. They were not people that had a lot of money, a lot of resources. 
They were not people that were well-known. They were just people just trying to live, and they were trying to make it just like you. They have to get up every morning. They have to supply for their family's needs. They have to do all those things just like we do, and yet God did something amazing in their life. And I'm sure that many people, from a human standpoint, will look at Mary and Joseph and think, wow, these are just some, you know, ordinary people. They're just, they're just about to have a baby, you know? They're going to give birth to a baby. I mean, no big deal. Everybody gives birth to a baby, right? I mean, that's normal, routine. But how do you know that there was nothing routine or normal about the birth of Christ? And Christ revealed himself through circumstances that is less than what we would expect. One of the things that we all must grapple with is this. I want you to understand this because this is going to help us in a lot of ways. How many know that God's ways are not your ways? Now, I want that to settle in. In fact, look at Isaiah. Go ahead, keep your finger there in Luke chapter 2. But I want you to look at Isaiah chapter number 55 and look at verse number 8 and 9. For he says this, listen to this, this is, this is God talking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, <laughs> nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, <laughs> so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Now I want you to to meditate that on that for a moment, because there are two things he's saying there. Number one, God doesn't think like us. Number two, God doesn't act like us. Now, why is that so critical and so important? Because when you are trying to navigate your way through life, when you're trying to, how many of you have ever tried to figure God out? By show of hands, how many of you ever tried to figure, how many of you have thought like, man, I, I, I figured them out. I, I, I got this one. I, I, I'm sure I, I figured this one out. And then you look up and you find out that you really was off. You, you blew it royally. It's kind of like when I told my wife when we first bought our house, God said that we're going to get that house. And I was convinced. I remember walking down the road praising God, and next thing I know, that house fell through. And then the next house fell through, and and, and I kept proclaiming, this is it, this is it. After a while, I just said, I don't know. And we landed here in Stafford County, Virginia. It was, let me tell you, it was not on my radar. But I, I said all that to say that God doesn't think like you think. And so, so you must understand that first you must believe that the Bible said the just shall live by what? Faith. So what that tells me is I understand that with the way God does things and the way I think about things, oftentimes there's going to be a conflict. There are going to be those moments when you're going to scratch your head and say, God, this doesn't make sense to me. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? God, I, I prayed. God, I, I've done everything I know to do, but this doesn't make sense. It's, God is not, listen, how many know that God's word is true? He is not a man, brother, that he should lie. Whatever God said in his word, it is true. If God says, I'm working in you, believe it. He's working in you. If God says he's going to bring you out, believe it. He's going to bring you out. If God says, I'm going to be with you, believe it. He's with you. You must believe that even though at times when you look at his ways and you try to figure it out, God requires sometimes you to do things and it doesn't even make sense to you. God, this doesn't make sense that you want me to give. I don't have anything. I, I got I to gotta, I gotta support this, and I got to do that. And God says, give. But God, I, I really don't want to love that person because, God, they've treated me really, really bad. God says, I want you to love them anyway. Oh, God, I, 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 I. God, I mean, this doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I mean, God, I've been trying to figure this out. And, you know, uh, before, before I got saved, you know, before I got saved, I had my plans, God, and now you, you want me to do what? Yeah, that's the way God does it. 
See, you gotta, when you think about God, you got to think outside of the box. See, one of the things that, that baffled them when the Messiah, when Jesus was all grown up, when he came, uh, they, couldn't, they couldn't receive him. You see, they, they, they struggled with him because in their, in their own perception, here's what they thought. I know how the Messiah is going to come. Let me tell you, how many know that they read the scriptures back then and there too, just like you do? And there was a lot of stuff they didn't see. <laughs> I'll show you here in a moment. How many know that you read the scriptures? Some of you, you read the scriptures, but how many know even though you read the scriptures, there are a lot of stuff you still miss. You don't quite understand yet. And so they thought in their minds that when Jesus came, hey, he would come as the ruling king, the ruling Messiah. He would come, he would destroy the Roman government. He would destroy all of them, and, and he would take up his throne right here and right now. But he, when he came, he was nothing like that. When Jesus started saying stuff like he's the son of God, they said, you, we knew you. You, you. you grew up in Nazareth. I mean, you, you, you can't be, look at you, 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 you are not that. God often reveals himself in undesirable packages. I've come to discover that in my life. Oh, this is going to help somebody. When God does some of his best work, <laughs> he does it in places that most of us, we never see. Why? Because we already have a predisposition. You already got it mapped out. And you, if you're like me, you like to plan out your stuff, right? I mean, you like to plan. Not saying God's against planning. But how do you know that the Bible says a man's man, mind plans his way, but God directs his what? Steps. I know God directs our steps. And so I want you to understand some things as we, as we move forward, right before we come back to Luke chapter 2. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts, so we get it. God thinks differently. He acts differently. In fact, I want to read a verse to you, Isaiah chapter 7, 14. It says, therefore the Lord himself, concerning the virgin birth, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, shall call his name Emmanuel. You know what Emmanuel means? God is with us. A virgin shall conceive. How many know that this prophecy was given some 700 years before Jesus ever showed up? <laughs> In fact, Micah 5.2 says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old and from everlasting. This verse was written some 400 years before Jesus ever showed up. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. How come the people of that day, how come many of them didn't see that? Because, how many know they're reading the same Bible? They had it then. It was, how many know Isaiah was already there, but they didn't catch it. They didn't see it. You know why? Because it wasn't packaged right. Wasn't, wasn't packaged right. That's not what we, we thought. How many know you can, have, you can be so locked in your position? You know, have you ever been fully persuaded by something that, boy, they couldn't, nobody going to get you up off of it. You can be, there are some folks that are, that, listen, they will never admit they're wrong if a boy, if it just, if they showed it to them, reveal it, if you laid them down, they will, they will hold their position. And you know, when you hold your position, you miss an opportunity to see. And how many know that when you, when you're, Holding your position when you're not able to process and understand and be open to what the Spirit of God wants to do in your life. You can read something and you clearly don't see it. You can look at it and say, you never, you never saw that. You know why? Because I don't want to see that. You don't want to see that because you already have in your mind how it's supposed to be done. All I'm trying to say, saints, is God, is, he thinks outside the box. You don't think like you think. Well, God, uh, this is why people miss God. Not because God is not working. It's just that you don't see his hand because you've already figured out how he's supposed to work. Mm, which brings us to our story. I want to give a couple of nuggets and I'll let you out of here. 
going back to Luke chapter 2. <laughs> First of all, understand something. Think about the birth of Jesus. First of all, he was born in a manger. Everybody say manger. Now, I know you ride down the road and, and you look in front of people's houses. You look at their nice, pretty lawn, their nice, beautiful lights, and you see that cute little crib there, right? And, and you see baby Jesus in there, and you see the wise ministry, you know, and you look at that, oh, that's so beauty. Um, first of all, Jesus was born in a manger. Do you know what a manger was? It was a feeding trough. Y'all still with me? Say amen. It was a feeding trough where they feed animals. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, 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 okay. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus, the king of glory, the one who is ultimately going to rule the nations, the one to whom the Bible said Jesus himself talked about how that, that, that he's going to raise men from the dead. Just as the Father raised them from the dead, I raise them up. Jesus, the creator, you would think that if you're going to bring him into the earth, that God would bring him in some kingly place, right? Some place where there's silky sheets. You know, uh, how many of you are aware of um, the Prince of Wales? Oh, the, 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 you know, over in England, the, you know. From what, from what they tell me, it's, it's all position, but they really have no power. But anyway, but you know, when the prince or when the queen or the king is born, they're born in power, right? They are born in wealth, prestige, silky blankets and ointments, a beautiful place. Why? Because a king or queen is going to be born. You wouldn't think to bring your king in a, in a feeding trough where you feed animals? You wouldn't think to do that, of course, unless you're God. <laughs> he fed, I mean, it was, it was in a, a manger. It was in a dirty place where there were animals. Y'all know what animals do? Poo. Smelly. I know, I just messed some of your Christmases up. Stinky. But God says, I'm going to bring my king. I'm going to bring my son right in the dirty smell. You know, he, by the way, if he was God, he could have done whatever he wanted, right? I mean, but he chose to bring his king in a very unconventional way. Here's, here's what I want to say. How many know, if you didn't know, you know it now, that greatness oftentimes is born in dirty places. Ah, hmm. Some of you didn't get that. Greatness oftentimes is born, comes out of dirty places. I, I know, you know, some of you grew up in some tough places. Some of you grew up in the ghetto. There's nothing good that can come out of Wakefield, Virginia. That's where I'm from. Nothing good can come out of Baltimore. None good can come out of Virginia Beach. or None good can come out of Lithuania. Nothing good can come out of Chesapeake. Now, how many of you know it's not about where you come from, it's where God is taking you? God often will use the person, God often will use places and things that you would, that most people look at and say, ain't no way, no way that this will happen. Some of you, you grew up in some really tough places. You grew up in abusive homes. You grew up in, in uh, where you saw abuse and you saw drug abuse and alcohol abuse. And some of you grew up around violence. And some of you grew up in some really, really dirty places. I mean, places that you don't even like to think about. But I want you to know that all the while, just as it was significant when Jesus came on the scene, how many know that God could do some of his most significant work in you? This is the way God thinks. So when somebody want to tell you about where you came from, when somebody want to remind you about their past, just look at them and say, but God is able. It's not about, baby, where I come from. It's about where I'm going. And God specializes in using people that come from dirty places. Everybody say dirty places. Dirty places. <laughs> Does anybody here, have a, have anybody here come from a dirty place? 
Mm, you know what I'm talking about. I want you to know that you're a candidate today. Uh-oh, can you hear me? It fell down, amen. You're messing up my sermon, hallelujah. You're a candidate to be used of God. In fact, you ain't even a long shot. You're at the top of the list. God specializes. Oh, y'all don't believe me. Look at uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. Go there real quick. Oh, Jesus. I don't have my amen crowd in here today. I feel alone. Can y'all say amen? Man, we got to get our amen crowd back in here. Come back, please. Amen. Watch this. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 1, verse 26. When you get there, say amen. For you see your calling, brethren. Here we go. Here we go. Look at this. That not many wise according to the flesh. Mm. Not many mighty, not many noble are called. Now, it didn't say that God don't call any according to the flesh. It says there are not many. You know why God don't call many who are high and noble like that? Because many of them don't think they need God. How many know that wealth and power sometimes gives you a false security? It makes you think you are secure when, in fact, you are naked and wretched. And sometimes people who are locked into that way of lifestyle, not everybody. Now, God will have no problem with people being wealthy. But I'm talking about, for the most part, many people who are mighty and got prestige and got status, they don't want to hear nothing you got to say about Jesus. Go try to preach to them. They look at you like, man, I got, I'm doing good. God says, ain't a whole lot of them I call. <laughs> you remember the rich young ruler? Sell everything you got. They're coming and follow me. Oh, no, can't do that. <laughs> he, the Bible says he walked away. He walked away. I mean, no, there's a lot of people today walking away. When you try to tell them about Jesus, they're doing what? Walking away. But God, look at verse 27. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. Look at this. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. Mm, how many know God is awesome. He chose the weak things of the world. <laughs> he chose the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. How many know that God took an army one down from 32, he took an army and the Midianites, took them down from 32,000 to 300. <laughs> took Samson from a jawbone of a donkey, killed a whole army. Jesus take like little two fish and five loaves and feed what? 5,000 people. God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Why? Because men need to know and understand that God is Jehovah Jireh. Ah, so God uses the weak things. He uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. By the way, he used trumpets to bring down a whole city of Jericho, the walls. How many know that's foolish? How can I, if you I told me, walk around the wall, I want you to walk around the city of Jericho seven times. On the seventh day, I want you to blow the trumpet. And the wall's going to come down. I'll be like, yeah, really, really? Ooh, man, you crazy. <laughs> the boys walked around there, and God used the trumpet to bring down a whole wall of a city. Why? God used the foolish things because he wanted to show me that you ain't as wise as you think you are. You don't know as much as you think you know. You are destitute. You don't really know. And so God uses the weak things. Watch this. Watch this. Let's keep reading. Verse 28. And the base things, everybody say base things, of the world and the things which are despised. Good God. God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. So if you're sitting here today and you feel like you've been despised and rejected, you know, this is going to say something. This might shock some of you, but, you know, hey, I'm free in the Lord. I can speak my heart as the Lord gives me utterance. 
But you know, God do use rejects. You know, it doesn't matter what you did. If you turn your life over to God, God will use you. You could have murdered somebody and God will use you. Did God not use the Apostle Paul? He was standing over and making, and in fact, when Apostle Paul got right with God, everybody else said, oh, that brother, stay away. Ain't no way, God, you, that boy, that boy, was, he was overseeing the killing of your, your Christians. Maybe you've been in, maybe, listen, maybe you had a rough life. You made some bad choices in your life. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, people talk about you. And, and people, you know, it, it's funny, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not taking a position at all. I'm just giving, using it as an example, please. But, you know, I was listening to somebody who was saying the other day, and they were talking about this Ray Rice thing. Anybody been, been aware of the Ray Rice and how he got into this domestic dispute with his wife and he punched his wife? I mean, that was a horrible thing. Men ought never, ever to lay your hands on a woman. In fact. Don't let nobody tell me that you beat your wife. Don't because I won't have to really fast and pray that I don't beat you. I, I mean that. I, I, I don't believe in that. But let me say this. How many know that there's redemption? <laughs> How many know that everybody, and I'm looking because everybody's rejecting him. He should never, ever play football again. He should never, ever have the opportunity to redeem. He should just suffer. This guy shocked some of you. But, you know, if he give his life, get his life right, God will use him. God takes the rejects. God takes the one that everybody else don't want. God says, uh, I will use you. <laughs> Me? God, do you know what I did? God, do you know how bad I've been? Yeah. But because you turned over your life to me, I'm going to use you. It doesn't matter what you did. As, as I said before, it doesn't matter where you've been. It's where God is taking you. And the church said amen to that. It's where God is taking you. So if you feel like you've been despised, you feel like nobody liked you, you feel like you've been a reject, I want you to know today that you're in good company. You're a, you're a candidate to be used by God. Because that's the way God thinks. But look, look, look what he says in verse number 29. Why does he do it? Why does God do it? Look at this. Look at this, guys. So that no flesh should glory in his presence. See, here's the problem. If God were just to use these folks who have no God consciousness, <laughs> you know, they were often, you know, what they would do with, they, 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 you know, good things would happen and they would be like, my power and my wealth has gotten me this. In fact, God told the children of Israel, he said, now, when I get ready to bless you, you remember in Deuteronomy chapter number 8, he said, now, be careful that you don't forget. Everybody say, don't forget. Oh, it's easy to forget what God has done. Oh, you're sitting there like you're high and mighty. Oh, it's easy to forget. He said, don't you forget. See, the high and the mighty who have no God consciousness, and that's what I'm talking about, they would be more likely to give themselves a pat on the back. But God chooses not to use folks who think that way. Why? Because he don't want no flesh to get the glory. Here's what I want you to understand, folks. If you give God the glory, God will give you the victory. Let me say that again. If you learn how to give God the glory, God will give you the victory. This is why I am baffled that when God do a miracle, you know, Sister Honor stood up. That's why we wanted her to come up this morning. When sister, listen, she testified, amen. How many of you know that when God do a work in your life, how dare you keep it silent? How can you, the God who blessed you, who made a way for you, who did a miracle for you, why would you sit down and, and well, I don't want to tell nobody. Let me, let me tell you something. The minute God bless you and you know God bless you, don't delay. You need to run out and let somebody, sister, brother, let me tell you. Listen, if you can't get nobody to listen to you, get up on Facebook, record yourself on video. Y'all know how to do selfies. Say, Facebook fam, let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. Tweet that. See, if you give God the glory, God will give you the victory. 
That's why God said, he said, he's not going to do, God's just not going to work in people who's not going to give him glory because they'll be thinking, oh, it's all about me. But if you are committed to give him the glory, that's why God used people that are in low places because people who already know they got nothing, been nowhere, had nothing, they know what they can. Listen, they know. Oh, I know, brother. Well, I, I, I know what God has done in my life. I know that it wasn't for the goodness of the Lord, I'd be in a bad way right now. So I don't mind telling you. So we need to be people that the minute God bless you, look at your neighbor and say, don't delay. Tell somebody. Tell somebody what God has done in your heart. You see, <clears throat> excuse me, you got to look for God in the uncommon places. Ah. Hmm. That's Mary and Joseph, the birth of a king. I would say that's not something that I would think would be normal, but it was normal to God. You know, uh, logically, I would think that a person that's done me wrong or hurt me in some, some way, no way that God got to use that person. You know, that person, you know, they're least likely to succeed. You ever been in high school, remember that? The, the best dress, the least likely to succeed. I, I can't believe they even had a category in school, the least likely to succeed. They had people names there, that's amazing. But I mean, know that perhaps you will find God in the mouth of a person that you don't like or you refuse to forgive. I said uncommon places, undesirable places. You remember, Nahum was told to go dip into a dirty pool, and he felt like, I wasn't supposed to go do that. And, God said, and the man of God said, if you're going to get healed, you need to do it. I mean, I believe a lot of people don't get healed because they won't receive the mechanism and the package by which God wants to bring their deliverance. You know, God can use a, if God can use a donkey, you know he can use anybody. <laughs> Even your enemies. God can use your enemies to bring a word to you that will help release you and bring you out. Again, I say it's uncommon. It's unlikely. You wouldn't think, God, God you, ain't, you, don't you, say, you can't say nothing to me. You ever met people like that? See, this is why God got a problem with people that walk in pride. See, you ought to be so afraid of pride. Don't ever walk around thinking you know that, and you all that in the back of chips. Don't ever think that you've gotten to a place where nobody can tell you nothing. Let me tell you something. When you get to that place, the Bible says God resists you. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the who? Humble. So a humble attitude says, God, however you want to use me, and by whoever you want to use to speak to God, I'm open. How do you know God, God will use a baby to speak to you? God will use your dog to speak a word to you if he chose. He created it all. All I'm trying to get you to see is oftentimes God's deliverance or his way out for you, it's in an uncommon place, and sometimes it's in unlikely people, and then sometimes it's in even people in places that you don't like, but you got to hear it. Open your heart and open your mind and receive. He's found in the uncommon. Pleasant places. You, you, you know, I, I, in, 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 in uncommon places. But you remember Mary, the Bible says that, that after the, <clears throat> the angel had spoke to her, and the angel said, told her that she was going to give a birth to a son. And, and you know, of course, all these people start prophesying over Jesus when he was born. And, 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 and the scripture says that Mary <laughs> kept silent. The Bible says that she, the Bible says, that she pondered these things in her heart. You ever think, why was Mary pondering those things in her heart? Because I'm, I'm, listen, I'm sure here's Mary, this is what I believe Mary was thinking. All right, I know what the angel said to me. <clears throat> the angel shows up, and the angel tells me in Matthew chapter 1 that he's going to be a great king, that he's going to assume the throne of David, and the government will be upon his All of these things, I heard all that, but at the same time, I'm looking at my situation it don't look nothing like what you say it's going to be. I believe Mary was quiet. She pondered these things because she was trying to match her reality with what God said he was going to take us. Sometimes your reality, it just don't match. Doesn't mean God is not working. 
Just because it looks this way don't mean that that's the way it's going to end. Can somebody say amen? She pondered those things because she's looking at her situation. She's thinking, eh, yeah, I don't see how God can get any glory out of that. You never know what God can get glory out of because he's God. He can do anything he wants to do. And I'm closing. I even know God will perform his word as well. I want you to go back to Luke chapter 2. You remember Caesar Augustus had ordered a census that all the world should be registered. You know, Jesus himself was, was given the throne of David, and David was born in Bethlehem, and so Joseph was from the lineage of David. And so when Caesar Augustus said that all the world going to be taxed and everybody had to be registered, they were motivated out of money, power, and greed. So Joseph, listen to me, just so happened to have to go all the way back, like, like 100 miles from Nazareth, where he was, all the way to Bethlehem to be taxed. To, I'm sorry, to give, to be accounted for, for the census. So what Caesar Augustus meant for evil, God had a different plan. God had a different plan. How many know that the scripture says in Micah chapter 2, Jesus that Christ was to be born in Bethlehem. Do you think it was an accident that somehow that God waited <laughs> right into the time when he goes all the way over to Bethlehem to, be, to just register for a census, that at that moment, that's when the baby came? How do you know that wasn't no accident? Oh, no, no. No, God was performing his word. How do you know that when God want to do what he wants to do in your life, no person, no force, no people, nobody can stop God for doing what he want to do in your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? Nothing and nobody. God will use the wicked. Are you hearing me? God will use the wicked. God will use the ungodly to perform his word over your life. See, this is why I have great confidence that no weapon formed against me will prosper. Well, Pastor, why do you say that? Because God is with me. God is going to take my situation. Whatever God has spoken, how do you know God is faithful? He is faithful to perform his word. So you don't need to be tripping over people, worried about people trying to take something from you. Oh, you're going to take. No, dude, you just need to trust. Trust God and know that God will make a way. Lastly, as I think about his birth, I want to caution you. The Bible says that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, as we said before, in a dirty old manger because there was no room for him in the end. There was no room for him. I'm sure there were a lot of people who were working there at Marriott and Quality Inn the Hilton, whatever, I'm modernizing this for you. And they didn't understand. They didn't see who it was. And so when, when Mary and Joseph, these two ordinary people, came with the baby, they're like, sorry, we got no room for you. How I many you know that we know better, amen? I want you to make sure that this Christmas season that you make room for Jesus. Make room for him. Don't let it be said of you and all of your business and all of your hard work that you didn't make room for Jesus. Make room for him. You make room by doing what you're doing today. You make room by coming to New Year's Eve service. You make room in your private time every day that you spend time and you worship, every day that you spend some time in God's presence. Don't wait two or three days before you pray and see God. Do it every day. Make room for God. You make room for God, God will make room for you. Hit a larger territory. Amen. Every head is bowed, every eyes closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you that you're a God that 
uses the weak, the broken, the hurting. God, every one of us today, we are delighted because, Lord, some of us, we don't have a lot of education, Lord. We, we don't have a lot of resources. We don't have a lot of money. But, God, we have you. That's more important than anything else. And because we have you, God, we know. <laughs> we know that the sky is the limit. God, maybe somebody had been sitting here today and they really felt like, maybe because of their family background, maybe because of what people told them, that they have a low value of themselves. They don't see themselves achieving great things. They don't see themselves standing out, making a difference. My mother didn't make a difference. My daddy didn't make a difference. And it's always been this way, so it always will be this way. Maybe, God, there's someone here this morning that just really feels insignificant. God, I'm asking that this word will, seep, will, will, will God, set way down into their hearts and souls today. And that, God, that you will show your people, God, that all they need is a heart for you. All they need to do is make themselves available. All they have to do is be willing to serve. All they have to do is call on your name. And God, I know you would do the extraordinary, just like you did in the life of Mary and Joseph. Maybe not the same scale of blessing, but the blessing and favor of God nevertheless. Come to those Father, who humble themselves and allow themselves to be used in an extraordinary manner. Maybe you're sitting here today, young, old, man, woman, boy, girl. Jesus died that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Perhaps you're sitting here today and you have never, ever Surrender your life to Jesus. I'm not saying if you came to church. I know you're a church. I'm not saying that you put money in the offering plate. I'm saying you know in your heart that you never surrendered your life to Jesus. And you realize today that you need to make room for the king. You realize today you need to make room for him. You need to, you need to slide over. You need to let him come in so that he can give you life. that's you this morning you say pastor I'm ready to go all the way with Jesus I'm ready to abandon my own life I'm ready to give up everything for the sake of the cross I want to fully surrender to you I want to give my life to you is there one this morning who would say that if that's you just raise your hand I just want to pray for you it doesn't matter Jesus loves you Jesus loves you Everything we do, we do to preach the gospel of salvation, the gospel of healing, the gospel of peace. We exist to help men see that Jesus is the way. We exist to disciple those, to give them a sense of direction and purpose in life in Christ. That's you this morning. You say, I've never given my life to Jesus. I don't want to die and spend eternity in hell. I want to spend my life with Christ. I want to give my life to him today. Is there one who would say, I want to give my life to Jesus? Come on, slip your hand up. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Everybody stand to your feet, if you will. God's message to you was very simple this morning. Prepare for the extraordinary. Know that because you serve God, all things are possible. All things. To that mom and to that dad, 
You never know that the child that you're looking at, you have no idea what God can do. You have no idea that what appears to be insignificant will be something that will bring great influence in our world today. I believe that we are world changers because we have Christ living on the inside of us. So I want to encourage you this Christmas season, live your life in expectation. Live your life in faith. Get up every single day. I don't care what, how hard it is. I don't care if you, you can't get out of every single day. Get up out of that bed. Give God praise. Don't you leave your house until your spirit has been lifted and your faith is elevated. Don't you walk out of your door. Don't you leave. Don't you step out. You walk out. You walk out. The minute you walk out, you start expecting, this is going to be my day. Even though everything around you look like it ain't going to be your day. You make a declaration. You declare it. This is going to be my day. Things are going to turn around for me. Why? Because you know you walk with God. All things are possible. All, all things. All things. All things. I don't care. It doesn't matter what it looks like. Forget about what it looks like. Praise him anyhow. That's God's word to you this morning. Amen. You received that. Give God a praise clap, if you will. You received that. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Father, as we leave this place, but never from your presence, empower us, Lord. I pray for miracles. I pray, Lord God, for the, um, Lord God, the, the, the uh, great expectations. And Lord, I pray that the extraordinary will happen in the lives of your people. I pray that things will turn around quick. That, God, that you would confirm this word. Confirm this word, God, that was spoken today in and through the lives of your people so that by the time we get together on Wednesday, somebody will be begging to give a testimony. And now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his throne of grace. To him, Jesus, be glory, dominion, power, now and forevermore. And all God's people say amen. Amen. Come on, give God praise. Bless y'all. See you next week.